This is an RNZ podcast. They say it takes a village to raise a child. I'm Catherine Ryan, and here we draw on my conversations with experts on Nine to Noon to help you navigate family life. Our parenting segment today. <laughs> How parents can navigate and negotiate the sexuality journey with young people. Our guest is University of Canterbury Health lecturer Tracy Clelland, who has conducted the first local research on New Zealand parents' attitudes towards sexuality, sexuality education for her PhD. She says many parents find it difficult to talk about sex and sexuality, and even though they may want to, they often go about it in a way that's not conducive to good communication. Tracy says we need to teach our young people the skills they need uh, to drive, but we often fail to explore the skills required to navigate the complexity and emotionality of relationships. Well, what is the best way? What do we need to know and want to know? And what are the different roles of sexuality education at school and at home? Tracy Clelland, lecturer at the University of Canterbury, a sexuality educator and a parent of two teenage boys, is in the Christchurch studio. Good morning. Well, let's start with the research, shall we, into what you were asking people, what you were trying to find out, Tracy. Okay, so I've been a sexuality educator for about 30 years now, and a lot of the work I do is with young people, and there's a lot of research around young people as well. But what's missing is about how parents are experiencing and understanding what is sexuality education with their children. So I really wanted them to explore... Uh, what sexuality education means to them, and to share their stories, basically. I wanted to hear how they are experiencing working with their children at this moment in time. So big open questions you asked? Yes, very big open questions. I was particularly interested in thinking about the dominant messages that they're hearing at the moment, and as you can imagine, a lot of parents were concerned about pornography, the internet, etc. But what I wanted to get sort of looking closer at was the underlying feelings, the messages that they were feeling about themselves as parents and how they would then talk with their children. So what did they tell you? Wow, they told me some amazing stories. And I just want to say a big thank you to all the parents because I interviewed over 60 parents and their stories were just wonderful. They were full of laughter as well as tears, as you can imagine, but a lot of self-reflection on the sexuality they received, what they would have liked done differently, and what it means now for their children. So I'll give you some of the key findings that I think are really important for the parents who are listening to your show. So one of the first things that we have to realise as parents and all adults is understanding the difference between sex education and sexuality education. So last week on your show, Catherine, your speaker talked about porn literacy and sex education. But when you use the term sex education, that conjures up you know, the old style scare tactics, teaching purely about the physical aspects, you know, how to put the condom on a penis, for example. But sexuality education is so much different. And as I explored these concepts with my parents, they realised they were just drawing on sex education, not on sexuality. So I'll explain this to parents this way. Young people have indicated they want to talk about sex and it's important for them, but you can't talk about sex without talking about relationships, emotions, feelings, intimacy, all the parts of sexuality that are across the life course. 
And the reason I've um, used the term navigating the sexuality road with this PhD is that every single um, young person and adult are constantly navigating that sexual road. Relationships are up and down, emotions are up and down, and young people need the skills because they lack life experience of how do I navigate those spaces. So just the first point being, sexuality education must be about talking about relationships, um, intimacy, love, those kind of topics, um, not simply just the sex side. Sexuality is a, um, a very bumpy road. Well, let's talk about where you start. You, you mentioned the physical mechanics. I think every parent would recognise the first awkward conversation. I mean, first of all, there's a difference between thinking that your kid probably knows a fair bit already and maybe they don't. Right. And, and let's let, actually, let's talk about how we begin to build from yes. quite young. Uh, right. Awareness is around our bodies, for example, and awareness is around our body parts. But I, I guess the the point I was trying, going to get to is mm-hmm. that first conversation where you want to actually talk about how sexual intercourse and other sexual um, um, activities happen. These days, should you be pretty much at a point in your conversations with your young person, age appropriate, where you don't have to have that mm-hmm. big moment like that, or do you exactly. still have to have that big moment like that? Yeah, and the parents told me some amazing stories. And one of the most common stories was get, well, they were given a book by their parents. Here we and go. Told to go, told to go away. <laughs> Tracy, it, it ruined my summer holidays around. one year. Peter and Pamela grow up. <laughs> yes, yes. But it's interesting because my young people that I now work with, so I've got a class that I work with of nineteen to twenty-one year olds, are still telling a lot of similar stories. That a lot of the communication is quite closed. So I suppose the reason, you, you, to answer your question, Catherine, parents have to understand that it's not just about the reproductive body parts. Those parts are actually quite easy conversations, just normal, everyday examples. So not a sit-down talk, but teachable moments. So it doesn't have to be a, um, a difficult topic. What the young people are telling me and the parents were telling me is they actually want to learn more about the emotions, the relationships. Mm-hmm. That's what's missing. So when you ask me about how do parents start these conversations, I'm going to give you a really interesting uh, comment from one of my young people. They said that, you know, we want um, parents to be open and honest, but not open and honest about their sex lives, okay? So open and honest can mean lots of different things to different parents. When When young people say open and honest, and my parents said the same thing about their own past, They want to know that it's just a safe space to talk about something. So one young person said, I wish my parents could have a conversation with me but keep their mouth shut. In other words, what parents don't do is they don't listen and they don't ask young people what they think. Sexuality education has to be a shared um, knowledge construction process. So when you ask me what can they do, They ask questions, parents should ask questions like, what do you know about? What do you think about? What do you think other young people think about? Or how would you deal with that situation? So I'm going to give you an example. Um, As you know, pornography is an issue that parents are dealing with at the moment. So I was reading a report recently that interviewed adults, and the report said, do you think, um, the question was, do you think pornography is a problem for young people, yes or no? 
problem with that question is it's got a, a binary of yes or no. Now, I couldn't answer that question with a yes or no. I'd have to answer it with, well, it's a problem for some young people, but actually for a lot of young people, it's not problematic and they're very critical of pornography. So I took this question home to my son, who was 14, and I asked him that question. And from asking that question, we had this long discussion around what he knows about it, what he thinks about it, what he thinks other young people think about it. And so it turned into a critical conversation about a topic without the sort of emotional side behind it. Does that make sense? It makes complete sense. It, it, one would think it is part of an ongoing conversation you're, you're having yes. with your young person about all sorts of matters, mm. whether it's drinking, you can get into questions of consent, yeah. sexual consent, uh, all, yes. all these matters. I guess what I was trying to get to was to, <clears throat> to avoid that moment you just described earlier, which mm-hmm. is here's a book, go and read the mechanics, <laughs> yes. or to avoid the conversation where you're not quite sure what your young person knows. Mm-hmm. Are we in a better situation where we are talking more about our bodies, including naming our body parts properly, and what they're used for with younger children, not going into sort of, you know, great details, but 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 introducing them to the concepts yes. earlier and well, or, or not? We are a much better place and young people are much more aware of their bodies as well. And remember, sexuality education starts, it should start in year one, so that's five-year-old. And often people say to me, how can you be teaching sexuality education to five-year-olds? They don't need to learn about sex. See, again, that comes back to that issue about understanding that sexuality is about being a sexual being across the life journey. And so if parents understand that sexuality starts from a young age, they can just have those normal conversations around naming your body parts, etc. But schools are also doing that. Now, this is a key point to Catherine that's come out of the research. One of the reasons I started this um, project was there was a lot of discussion is that should sexuality be at home or should it be at school? You know, who should be the educators? Now, that's really problematic and doesn't help our young people because sexuality education at home and at school are both important. Young people are learning about sexuality from a wide range of places, and they are amazing. We forget that young people want to learn about this. They want to have conversations. They just don't want lectures. And they're trying to make sense of the world. Like, what does, what do things mean to them? Now, I've been doing um, a workshop with young people recently around love. Now, love is one of the biggest topics that young people around that 17 to 19-year-old want to talk about. Now, if you're going to talk about pornography, well, actually, what you're talking about is relationships, love, intimacy, and then that part of the conversation comes out of it. So, yeah, it's really important that we frame everything in about relationships with other people. So if you're talking about body parts as well... Yes, it's also about your body is yours, but also respecting other people's bodies. What were some of the other insights you got from what you asked the parents? Right. Oh, I got a lot of insights, and it was a fabulous time. And I have to, I really do want to say a big thank you to those parents. Um, so one of the key things was the parents are really struggling with trying to understand what they often call the fine line between teaching around pleasure and risk. 
And that has been something that has been in sexuality education for a long time. Some of the parents are scared if they don't talk about risk, that will put their child more at risk. Although what we know from the research is that young people want to hear about the pleasure as well as the risk. I'll give you an example. And I'm not just meaning physical risk, I'm talking about emotional risk. So again, going back to that topic of love, the, the parents were saying they don't know quite how far to go to talk about the physical or the emotional elements of pleasure or the physical, emotional elements of risk. Where is that fine line? What is age appropriate? And they're really struggling with that. And because they struggle with it, they often don't do it because it's something which they feel inadequately prepared for. And what would happen by the end of my interviews is, is they would start, it would be quite tense often at the beginning, talking about a shameful topic for many people like sex. But by the end of it, they were laughing, they were sharing ideas, they were saying, oh, we could try this, we could do this. So it was about connecting with other parents to feel like I'm not alone and actually this isn't that hard to talk about. Just use everyday examples. Um, I'll tell you one other thing that I've just done recently. I've been asking schools about um, how many young people have been watching the Sex Education uh, Netflix series. Do you know about that? Yeah, I'm aware of it. I haven't got around to watching it, but I know everyone loves it. It's on my it's on my long list. Yes. Well, it's actually R16. So effectively, anyone in year 9 or 10 doing sexuality education cannot watch it. But I wanted to know actually how many they how many were. So I did some surveys of some year 10 classes uh, with some of my colleagues, and over a third have already watched the series. So if you're a parent, for example, it's a great example to, to when your child's watched that, even though you might not agree with it being asked 15, if they have watched it, to ask them, what do they think about it? What bits do they want to talk about? What do they not understand? And it's amazing what young people will talk about if they've got something like a movie or a video. Because it's less direct. It's like an instrument in the middle. Correct. Yeah. Yes. And that's what I said, all the parents that I interviewed, you know, they had lots of laughter around the best places to talk with their children. And as you can imagine, it was in the car because they were side by side, yeah. or it was going for a walk or whatever, but it was not the sit-down, one-off conversation. Because that conversation tells young people that you don't trust them, that you don't think they are sexual beings, and that they can't have a conversation across the life course. So I think that is really, really important. How much did and, parents talk about their own mm-hmm. experiences? You mentioned shame earlier. Oh, and yes. how much do you need to recognise what your own experiences were for whatever reason, whether it was your own parents' attitudes, whether it was things that happened yes. to you when you were younger, whether it was things that you did when you were younger, how much do you have to get to grips with that before you're going to shape your own conversations with your children better? Catherine, that is just such a fabulous question and that is one of the big chapters in my thesis because a lot of them talked about their past and one of the findings is that parents really do have to reflect on their own values and beliefs and their experiences around sex and sexuality. As I said, I had many parents who shared some quite harmful experiences of their life and what I mean by that is not I'm not talking sexual abuse. I'm talking about parents who silenced sexuality or told them things about their bodies, 
which has basically left them with feeling um, quite emotional trauma across their life. But then I also talked about parents who were quite open with their children around just communication, so not, and they had very different experiences. So yes, they do need to think about their own experiences and make sure that they talk with their children, not to their children. So that's quite different. Well, give Talking us some give us some examples of how you can have those conversations. What are some of your go tos for someone who's trying to do it differently and thinking, well, right. where, where, where do I start? What are some easy right. easy pointers? So easy pointers would be don't try and have a sit down conversation. Something's happening during the day. You're at home. There's something on the TV, something on the news, something on the radio. Or you say, oh, I listened to a podcast today or I listened to uh, Tracy talk on the radio. And she said that we should ask uh, young people what they think about. Now, that's my go-to question. What do you think about that? What's your opinion on that? So it's putting the young person in the driver's seat. So you're actually allowing them to drive step by step by giving them their own ideas, their own opinions, and sharing your own as well. Again, you use the, the intermediary. Is, yes. You use that you'd heard yes. a podcast or that you saw something rather than this yes. is this big moment I've been building up to, um, it, to, exactly. to raise a topic with you. It's yeah. more incidental. So I actually, I have um, one of my sons, I said to them, you know, go and watch the Sex Education set a Netflix series and then come and talk to me and see if you've got any questions. Now, we had a really interesting discussion about parts of that uh, story, which is not what I would have expected him to ask me. He wanted to talk more about the relationship between the father and the son. That's what he was really interested in. Um, the students in my class, again, parents would often think they want to talk about STIs and safer sex, but actually young people want to talk about emotions, love, feelings, and how to negotiate a difficult relationship. And that's something which we often as parents don't do with young people. So... You said your go-to question. The go-to question could be, what do you think a young person could do in that situation? Or what do you think someone else might do? Or, oh, I wouldn't know what you'd do in that situation. What's your idea? What's the potency of this? What's it achieving? They've got... I, I'm, I'm going to answer it for myself. You go first and then I'll answer it for myself because it's just occurred to me what it's achieving. But you carry on. In terms of what is the research achieving or what is... What, the no, the way... Achieving? When you couch a question like that, and right. they speak, what is it that you're actually achieving? Right, what you're achieving is you're telling the young person that you do acknowledge that they are a sexual being. Now, sexual being doesn't mean that we're saying our young person is going to have sex. In fact, all the research internationally and nationally shows that young people who have more discussion, have, have, have the chance to talk about some of these things, are more likely to use safer sex practices or actually delay sexual intercourse. But what this, what this is doing is saying, I acknowledge you're a young person and across your life course, you'll have relationships, you'll um, have good experiences and you'll have some tough experiences, but it's okay, it's just part of life. See, what it occurred what to... What we know, I'll just say one last thing, sure, sure. one of the key things that I found quite difficult with a lot of the research was the amount of shame that was put onto parents in the past in terms of sex was considered shameful so you didn't talk about it, and then things happened in your life and you didn't know who to go and talk to. You didn't know what to do, and you either continued in that um, 
with that, those experiences that were not um, um, health enhancing. And that's not what I want for young people. I want young people to feel good about themselves and to remember that it's not just about me, it's about relationships with other people. You know, sexuality is a social process. What you also said there was exactly the point I was going to make. What what you are achieving by doing that is that you are you are developing their skill set, their cognitive skill set to think about these situations for themselves. Exactly. Because you're asking the question rather than saying, oh, it's this. You're building yes. that muscle in their brain that is about how should I think about this situation or that situation yes. for myself. Yes, and can I say, that's why we need to stop having this debate in New Zealand about who is the best sexuality educator. Should it be at home or should it be at school? You know, one of the key foundations of school sexuality education is that young people understand and have the skills to think about relationships and critically think about society. And that's what we're getting the parents to do as well. So you can't talk about, you know, social media, pornography, any of those kind of topics unless we're talking about helping young people develop the skills to critique what's going on in society. Well, Me Too is another example. Hashtag Me Too. Tracy, um, please come back. I've got more questions, but it's 12 and a half to 12. Please come back another time. We'll sort that out and we'll carry on. Thank you very much. Tracy Cleland is lecturer at the University of Canterbury, a sexuality educator and a parent of two teen boys.